Praise the Lord. Greetings to you all in the wonderful matchless name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I also welcome you all for this wonderful blessed morning. In our TBL of calendar, the meditation scripture for this day is Psalm 34. But I will read verse 1 to 3. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Let us exalt his name together. In the scripture, the psalmist says that he will bless the Lord at all times. So that should be our portion even in this day that we will bless the Lord at all times. We will bless the Lord for the past days. We will bless the Lord for today. We will also bless the Lord for the future. Our God is great and he is mighty and here we are to exalt his name. Let us pray together. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we praise you and we thank you for the wonderful time that you given to us to come to you as your children. Lord, to hear your word. Lord, to exalt your holy name. Yes, Lord, here we are to bless you. Lord, to glorify you. There is nothing greater than that to each and every one of our children. Really, indeed, it is a privilege for us to come together in one accord, in one mind, in one spirit, with one faith, Lord, to glorify you. Yes, Lord, our hearts are filled with the full of love and the gratitude unto you. We give all glory, all honor, all praises unto you because you are worthy of it and they are belongs to you. I come to your servant today as he is going to share your word. Let your anointing be upon him. As you are going to speak through him, let your anointing flow through him. Let the word which you are going to speak through him, Lord will nourish us and it will encourage us, edify us and we will be a blessing to one another. Accept our prayers and take charge over the rest of the hours. In Jesus' precious name we offer this prayer. Amen. Praise the Lord. Church, I want to welcome you this afternoon. It's a unique afternoon in which we gather before the Lord from various places. I know it's strange times, but we do believe God is here with us. I'm reminded of this man who came to Jesus Christ at one time. He had a need. Somebody was sick in his home state and he said, just speak the word. I'm not worthy that you come under my roof. The Bible records that Jesus Christ marveled at his faith and said he has never seen such a great faith. And at that moment, he gave him his miracle. I believe wherever you are listening to this message this afternoon, God is going to minister to you in his own unique way. 
because it's not limited by geographical distance, but it will always minister to us as our needs demand and as our expectations demand out of our hearts. God is gracious. We are living in fast-changing times of the world, and so it is possible that somebody somewhere back at home there where you are sitting and listening to this message is troubled and kind of confused with what is going on. But our God never changes. The times will change. The things that we go through will change. The countries in which we live will set up new rules and regulations to govern our, our conduct. But the good thing is that the word of God never changes. It remains the same. And for that reason, I'm very confident at this very moment that the Spirit of God will minister to each one of us according to our expectations and according to what we have purposed in our hearts. We have always said that whenever you are coming before the presence of God, prepare yourself, sit before God and ask him, Lord, prepare for me something in this service. Prepare for me something in this message. Even if it is a single verse, I want to listen to it and I want to be blessed. So I believe the bread of life you are going to be blessed. God is going to bless you. He loves this church and I know that is why he has facilitated such a moment for us to share even in these circumstances. I want to invite all of you to this uh, meeting. I know the pastor has already welcomed you, but I want again to invite you, you sitting there with your wife, sitting there with your family, with your children, with your father, with your mother. I know God wants to bless you. So I want you to feel at home in the presence of God because he's everywhere. He's omnipresent. He's there to bless us and to listen to our needs. And because we have set aside this day as a day in which we shall meet with him, we have an appointment with him, starting from 12 noon every Friday, we have an appointment with God. I believe God is ready and waiting for us to hear from him. So I want to welcome you most sincerely into his presence. This day, I want us to share on a few things, and I'm titled this message, In Moments Like This. Tell your wife there, in moments like this. I don't know what kind of moments you are going through. I don't know what you and your husband are experiencing in your family. I don't know what your children are experiencing. I don't know what you as at your place of work are experiencing. But I want you to know that in moments like this, that is when God shines. That's when God manifests himself. Probably in your heart you're wondering, why is this happening at such a time? But I want to assure you that in the past, things have happened, more serious things have happened than what we are going through. But God has seen the remnant. Tell somebody the remnant. I am the remnant of God. And I believe God is going to speak to you in a new way as a remnant. So we as the remnant of God in these circumstances, I do believe from the depth of my heart that God wants to do something unique in this moment. And that is why he has set in motion things that will always touch our lives and cause us to focus ourselves to him again. Because it is not usual, it is not usual for us to have such moments, such hours, number of hours to sit in the house. And I know you don't have anything to do, but I can give you something to do. 
meditate on the word of God and listen to him. So in moments like this, there were such moments, similar moments in the days past. I want us to go back to the book of Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. And quickly, it's a long story, but I will read just one verse from which we shall anchor and then move to the next one. In Genesis chapter 6, God regretted. The Bible says, let me start from verse 5. It says, and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on earth and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the falls of the air, for it repented me that I have made them. This is a moment of crisis in the presence of God. It has stirred the almighty God to begin to reflect on his own workmanship. Remember earlier he had said it is good. It was good. Everything he did was good. But he has reached a moment is now beginning to regret. What was good is changing into a disaster. And he has resolved in his heart. I want to wipe out the entire human race because they have not lived to the dictates of my word. But we see a turning point in verse 8. And the Bible says, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Can we say that to ourselves? But I have found grace in the eyes of God. Are we confident enough to speak such words concerning ourselves? I have a question mark on each one of us because probably there are things that you hold back and you feel these things, I cannot surrender them to God. But here is a man, when God looked on the face of the earth, he saw there was one man in the multitude of chaos that prevailed at that time. There was one man he could count upon and that was no. Praise the Lord. And I want us also to reflect over this man, no, because when the Bible says that he found favor with the Lord, but no found favor. I like the New Living Translation. It says, but no found favor with the Lord. That means in the eyes of God, God felt there was something that he, he wanted to do to the humanity. And the only person who deserved it or who would have qualified was no. I want us to look at this scenario where the disaster is coming into the world. We have now our corona. Probably at that time there was the water crisis that God wanted to destroy the earth using water. I'm not saying that corona has been sent by God, but I know nothing happens by accident and God foreknew that it will be there. For your information, I listened to a man who had a word of knowledge from Zimbabwe some two, three months earlier before Corona broke out. And he, was, he had spoken a word saying he saw insects rise up from China. Insects in the vision. It was like insects. And the insects spread all over the world. But you see, if, if, if you are not in constant communion with God, such things may just pass as if it's uh, declarations that people are making. But you see now that this thing is happening, you can reconnect with it now and begin to see, oh, 
what appeared like insects is the virus that God was alerting his church. Remember he says, he does nothing without informing his servants. And so that was already God declaring something is going to happen. He was preparing the body of Christ. Something was going to happen. So it is not an accident. I'm just saying that I'm not saying, and I want it to be very clear, I'm not saying at this moment that God has commanded this. But I'm saying he was aware it was going to happen. And that's the truth that I want you to know. That in such a crisis, a time when things are in total confusion, you can see God also taking charge of things. We'll see that in a short while. Let us also turn also to the book of Exodus when we see also another group of people facing crisis. We have seen, we all know the story of Noah, how people laughed at him when he was speaking about the word of God until they were swept by the flood. It was a crisis, but the man of God who had faith in God and trusted in God was saved. I believe there are remnants in this place who shall be delivered by God. Praise the Lord. Uh, I want us to turn to Exodus 10. The whole story of the plague starts from, it starts down in uh, chapter 7. But I've selected one here. That is chapter 10, as 4 says. Else, if thou refuse to let my people go, behold, tomorrow will bring the locusts into thy coast, and they shall cover the face of the earth, and that one cannot be able to see the earth, and they shall eat the residue of that which is escaped, which remaineth unto you from the hail, and shall eat every tree which groweth for you out of the field, and they shall fill thy houses and the houses of thy servants, and the houses of all the Egyptians, which neither thy fathers nor thy fathers' fathers have seen since the day that they were upon the earth unto this day. And he turned himself and went out of Pharaoh. Now this is a situation where there is a crisis also. The children of Israel have reached a moment when they have to depart. God has decided now it's time for his calendar to begin rolling again. It may be happening to us now. We have been always sitting back and talking about the end times as if it is far in the distance. But I want to tell you, before God does something unique, there's always a moment where people are kind of getting tired of hearing the same message, the same message over and over. But when God begins to roll out his timetable at such moment, Sometimes people dismiss it as if it is just something passing, something light, but that is the working of God. Even at this moment, we have seen Noah's time, they laughed at him, and it was done. They dismissed him as a confused person until he entered the ark, and then they began to realize it was too late for them to act. Because moments like this require sensitivity from our spirit, that our spirits be in touch with God every moment. Then you begin to walk in unison with his promptings. The promptings of the Holy Spirit. So you don't panic. But instead you begin to retune yourself. To align yourself 
with the working of God. So that the Spirit of God begins to minister to you at every given instant. Now, in this particular verse that we have read in um, the book of Exodus 10, we see again a stubborn person. He has always had power, the Pharaoh, and he believes he's in charge, in control of everything. Because at the back of his hand, things happen. And his magicians work out things. But at this time, when God begins to work, he doesn't recognize God working in the midst of his people. He doesn't see the spirit of God working through his servants, Moses and Aaron. And so he becomes stubborn. And the Bible also says that God caused him to be stubborn. Why? Because in the midst of the crisis, God wants to show his glory. That is what we must understand. That in this, all these things that are happening around us, the crisis that is befalling the earth, we know this could lead to a very huge economic impact around the world. But in that crisis, God wants the glory to go back to him. So it will require us to have sensitive ears and sensitive spiritual eyes to see what God is about to do and to seize the opportunity so that we may be found in favor of God like Noah. And so I bring you back to Moses and Aaron that before Pharaoh and declaring to him that he has to set his people, the people of God, free. But this man becomes so stubborn. And so there is one plague after another, one plague after another, one plague after another. And it begins to devastate them, the country, but is stubborn until one thing happens. So you can see from Exodus 7, 7, 14, there is the blood. Onwards, 14, 20, onwards, you see the blood, water turning into blood. 8, 5, we see frogs coming in. 8, 16, we see lice. 8, uh, we also see flies coming in. 9, 6, we see also the livestock dying. Chapter 9, verse 9, we see balls. These people are afflicted with balls because the dust, the, 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 the ash that has been thrown has turned into the air to be uh, the balls that hit them. In 9.23, we see hailstones fall. The man is still stubborn. In 10, the one that we have read, 10.4 onwards, we see locusts hitting the land. I'm sure those of you who had Kenya, I'm not sure that that was what God was planning for Kenya and East Africa. But we have had a portion of our locusts uh, investing the, uh, in, uh, attacking the land and the whole place. They sweep the ground. They sweep it so clean that the harvest, now people are worried about food. And before we sort out the food issue, this is the coronavirus which is coming. But we thank God, in the midst of all this, we shall stand and know that God is still in control. And I believe in your family also. I believe in your place of work. Whatever people are going through around, those of you who are listening to this message at this moment, you will know that God is still in control in a short while. And if only if you refocus your mind onto God. Forget about the crisis itself. When David faced Goliath, Goliath saw a small boy. David saw a mighty God fighting Goliath. His focus was not on Goliath. He knew Goliath was there. He knew the army was afraid. But his focus was more on the mighty God he was serving and what God was about to do. Because he had learned through his spiritual eyes, spiritual understanding, that in the midst of a crisis, God manifests himself. I believe you will also discover this in this ongoing crisis. 
that God loves you so much and is ready to protect you. Praise the Lord. I thank God for this. I know you can't respond, but I am glad that in the house probably you are responding and somebody can hear that we are glad that we are living in such times and God is able to do something new in the midst of this crisis. But then, Genesis 10:22, darkness hits the land. And then at this moment, these people begin to realize things are not as easy as possible. And for the last time, Moses comes and speaks to Pharaoh and tells them they have to let the people go or else it will be bad. But I want to cut the long story short. From chapter 12 of Exodus, we begin the story of the Passover, the story of the blood. We celebrate every first Friday, partaking of the blood of our Savior and the flesh, which is his body, so that we be in union with him. This blood of Jesus Christ was unique. It was not like our blood, because it had some power that was greater than any other power that we have ever encountered. And so God began to speak to humanity from that time. He said, take a lamp which has no blemish. And that this blood from this lamp was to be put on the lintel of the door. It was to serve as a, as a pointer. It was to serve as an indication that whoever is inside is already purchased by the blood. So why am I speaking about this before uh, in, in this message? It's because I realize in a time of crisis like this, especially when we have sicknesses that cannot be predicted, that are in the infection rate is at an exponential rate, it is possible for people to panic. And in the course of panicking, we end up even exposing ourselves the more. Because we are trying to run to deal with a situation which we do not understand. But I want to give you a secret this afternoon. That there is a blood. That when you clothe yourself in this blood, you cover yourself with this blood, then you are secure in it. That's the blood of the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. The Bible says, in one, revel, in, in, in one of the revelations, that, and I saw a lamb as one who was slain at the foundation of the earth, standing in the presence of God. That was Jesus Christ. This lamb, the blood that was shed on Calvary, is the blood that I want you to plead over your families in this circumstance. We are seeing this one scenario where the children of Israel are being set free from the land of Egypt, and the first thing they do is to cover their homes with the blood. Now the truth of the matter is, anybody was found in that house that was covered with the blood, be it an Egyptian, be it whatever, a servant, he was delivered. That's the secret of the blood. Once you recognize it, that this blood will set me free, will cover me, it will set you free. In this time, I want to pronounce to you the, the, the need for you to plead the blood of Jesus Christ over yourself, over your family, over your children, over your colleagues at work. 
This is the blood that is going to cover you, that is going to secure you in these circumstances. Because you don't know who has met who. You don't know who has traveled where. You cannot keep a log of this. But we are being told it is in these travels, it is in these meetings that this contraction is being uh, seen, is being effected, and then it is being passed from one person to another. You don't know who has touched where you are touching. You don't know what condition he was in. So you cannot secure yourself using humanly means in a better way. The best thing is to go into the spiritual realm and plead the blood of Jesus Christ over your life. Because when the virus meets the blood of Jesus Christ, it will recognize the authority of that blood. And it will have to obey. Because the Bible says even the demons, they know him and they fear him and they recognize his authority. So in verse 12 it says, On that night I will pass through the land of Egypt and strike down every firstborn son and the firstborn male animal in the land of Egypt. I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt for I am the Lord. Verse 13, But the blood on your doorposts will serve as a sign marking the houses where you are staying. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. This plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. I want to declare to you, church, today, that the blood that you always partake of every fast of Friday, if you plead that blood to cover you, that blood will secure your home. That blood is going to secure your family. That blood is going to secure your life. It's going to secure your job. It's going to secure your place of employment. And that is what we need to understand in times like this, in moments like this, the song that we can sing, the love song that we can sing to God is that I plead your blood to come over my life. That's the love song that we want to sing with the Lord and know that his blood is covering us in every area. That is the first case scenario that I had to share with you in this. And what are the lessons that we learn from this exercise, this, this story about Israelites? One thing we learn. One, we all have a responsibility in times of crisis. We all have a responsibility in times of crisis. There has been a lot of education that is going around. As a church, we have organized education. And that is the first step that we are taking. However, I want to remind you, if a child born in Israel, an Israelite who was born, he was living in Goshen, did not apply the blood on the door lintel, then when the angel of death passed, they suffered the same fate. So it is important that that responsibility have been given by God, you must execute it. The children who painted blood on the tall lintels, they were delivered. Take your responsibility as a child of God. Number two, no matter what is happening around us, God is in control. All those plagues from plague number one, plague number two, plague number three, plague number four, God was still in control. He knew to what extent these people would, would bear. And that brings us to point number three, which I say, God knows to what extent prevailing challenges will go. He cannot allow a situation that is beyond you to come your way. He will always raise levels so that you will not, be, you will not succumb to the situation. You will not reach a point of compromise. 
Point number four, God will always provide a way out. When the children of Israel were disturbed, they were wondering, all this promise that Moses has given us, when is it going to pass? When is it going to be executed? God had his own program. He knew when he was going to strike the enemy and strike him hardest. The challenge the world is facing, the corona, is a challenge, is an enemy to the human race. And if we turned our attention to God, who is calling to our attention now, that we, 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 we give him attention, the due, due attention unto him, if we turn our attention to God and plead for him to intervene, I am sure God, I am sure God will step in in his mighty power. And you will see the crisis fizzle away as soon as it has come. And as suddenly as it has come, it will also fizzle away. God will provide a way. Number five, allow for the blood of the Lamb to be your safety line. Allow for the blood of the Lamb of God to be your safety line. You can carry out all the instructions that the medics are giving us. But I want at the back of your mind to know, unless God is on our side, all our efforts will be in vain. So, have that focus. The blood of the Lamb of God is always on our side. Number six, and that's the last one on that part. I'm not finishing now, but I'm just saying that's the last point on that particular uh, uh, case that I've cited. No matter how big the challenge is, God will vanquish it. There is nothing as good as knowing the end result. Those of us who love football, if you know the end result, especially if you watch on TV and you have already known the result, you are more relaxed than when you enter into the stadium, you don't know what the result is going to be, and your favorite team seems to be on the losing side. It's always performing poorly. You always have worries. But when you know the result, you know that this is just a match which is being played, but the result is already out, then you have no worries at all. You go there confident because you know at the end of the day, the victory is on our side. And that is our sure position with our Lord Jesus Christ. The result is always on our side. He's a winner. Praise the Lord. He's always a winner. I want us to share the second case, and that is about Ezekiah. This was a group people. Ezekiel also was in a group, but I want us to see his personal approach to the whole crisis that faced him. In Isaiah, uh, sorry, in Second uh, Kings chapter 18. 2 Kings chapter 18. If we start from uh, verse 5, it says, let me start from 4. In reference to Hezekiah, the Bible says, he removed the high places and break the images and cut down the grooves and break the pieces, the brazen serpent that Moses had made. For unto those days the children of Israel did burn incense to it, and he called it Nahushtan. Verse 5, he trusted in the Lord God of Israel, so that after him was none like him. Among all the kings of Judah, nor any that were before him. I want you to listen to the way God is, is describing this man, Ezekiah. 
He doesn't have to he doesn't appear to be in problems with God at all. It's like he's an example. Is the kind of example that God wants to give to the rest of us. He says, For he clave to the Lord. And this is one of the reasons why God was speaking like this. For he clave to the Lord and departed not from following him, but kept his commandments, which the Lord commanded Moses. And the Lord was with him, and he prospered whithsoever he went forth. And he rebelled against the king of Assyria and served him not. That is the kind of testimony that the scripture gives about Hezekiah. That he was an upright man. He was, he pursued the things of God. And he was in the right standing with God. But funny enough, Hezekiah begins to experience a challenge in his life. He has done nothing wrong. He has served God diligently. He has focused his mind onto the things of God. He has destroyed the enemy any symbol that represented satanic worship among the Israelites, he has destroyed. And so that would be a pleasing exercise. God would have, if, if we were the ones making the determination, would have encouraged, keep it up, keep it up. But God reaches a point and he allows the enemy to come into the life of Ezekiah. And Ezekiah is terrified at this moment. He's terrified. And if you read the whole of that chapter, which we are not going to read, you begin to realize some of the language that the enemy is speaking to Ezekiah with is not, it sounds like the devil himself speaking. And I'll just read a few of them. Let's start from uh, verse 19. Now, these are the messengers that he has sent. He has sent two people. One of them is Rabsaris. And another one from verse 17. And another one is Rabshaka from Lachish to the, king of Ezekiah, to the king Ezekiah. And this is what he says from verse 19. And Rabshaka said unto them, Speak ye now to Ezekiah, thus says the great king, the king of Assyria, What confidence is this wherein thou trusted? Thou sayest, but they are but vain words. And what you say are only vain words. That's what he says. I have counsel and strength for the war. Now on whom dost thou trust that thou rebellest against me? Verse 21. Now behold, thou trustest upon the staff of this bruised reed. Look at the way that man is speaking. Discouraging words to Ezekiel. And I know the devil speaks this kind of language. If you listen to this tone, it's like the devil was speaking through this man. He says, even what you, you lean on for support will ju is just a, like a reed. It's going to break and it will pierce you instead. So even if you are a strong man, you are shaken. Because the, man, the manner in which, the confidence in which the devil is coming into your life is shaking you. And these are the circumstances that people are facing. I don't know what your, your king of Assyria is now in life but he's threatening the very existence of your life. He's causing you fear in your life. He's causing you a lot of anxious moments. And that includes even the corona. Especially for those who have family divided. You have your children elsewhere. You are living elsewhere. And probably your wife is elsewhere. You begin to worry because you want to see them close to you. You don't know what is happening. But I know such fears are natural for every human being. But I want to announce to you, Stand put and know that God is in control. 
praise the Lord. I know God is going to deal with every situation. Now in this chapter 18, we begin to see these things. The devil speaking such language, discouraging language, that wants to destroy the faith, the foundation of Ezekiah. And can I tell you something? Ezekiah at one point, because he was shaken, he went and ripped the gold from the temple, the door temples. He started taking the things that belonged to God to go and offer to this man as a bribe. I pray that there will be no compromise in our lives. We shall not divert what is meant for God to please the enemy so that he can forgive us. He has no mercy. The devil has no mercy. He will take and he will still come. This man took and he still came for these people. But I want to thank God. What lessons? We can't go through the whole passage. I pray as you sit in your homes, as you sit wherever you are listening to this message, take time to read Second uh, Kings chapter 18 and you'll see what God has done in the lives, did, how he turned the tide of moments that were difficult in Ezekiah's times. Lessons that we draw from this passage. I've not read the whole of it. I believe you'll be faithful to do so. One, watch out for words of discouragement. Be careful because this is a tool the devil has used over time discouraging people to the point that people give up. Be careful. Number two, learn one word. Trust in God. Trust. The word trust. Trust in God. Never be swayed. Hezekiah at one time, he was, although he was a bit swayed, he took the things from the temple and went to give them, but he began to, re, he began, he began to realize that it was futile. He had to focus his mind on God. And so in verse 19, in chapter 19, verse 1, we see something happen. He says, And it came to pass when the king Ezekiah heard it, that he rent his cloth and covered himself with sackcloth and went into the house of the Lord. Because it was too much. He decided, this one, it's God to sort it out. That was the first time he went to the house of God. Number three, do not fear. The challenge will look like a Goliath. But there will be a bigger God behind us. Do not fear. Whatever the situation we are going through, whatever the challenge we are facing, do not fear. Because however big it looks, we can stand like David and say, you come to me with your might, but I am coming to you with my mighty God behind me. We represent a mighty God and he will take charge of everything. Number four, listen to what God is saying, not your situation. Don't listen to what the situation is saying. Now, if you look at the TVs, I've switched off the TV for the last one month in my house. <laughs> so, I have no fears at all. But when I tune in the radio in my car, the things I hear, they're scary. Oh, 200 people in Italy have died because of corona. Now, I'm wondering if I was listening to this every day, the fear factor in my life would allow a door for the devil into my life. So I'm saying, let us not allow fear to capture us. That will be the key the devil is using to open into our lives. And there he will have caught us. So do not fear. Five, turn to God. As we have seen in 19 verse 1, Hezekiah went into the house of God. Verse 14. It's good that we read that. And Hezekiah received the letter of the hand of the messengers and read it. It was not a good letter. 
And so Ezekiah went up into the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. He said, God, I cannot respond to this. This is your letter. Respond to it. He gave to God. He did not engage it himself. He said, I have received this letter. I have been given, but I know it is not mine. It is yours. Can we learn to transfer our problems to God? Let him tackle them himself and we will be a peaceful people. And we know what happened. Now, in uh, verse 6, I will take you back again. Verse 5, 7. Verse 5 to 7. Something about God. Before I say the point number 6. Let's just read that. It says this. So the servants of the king Ezekiah came to Isaiah. And Isaiah said unto them, Thus shall ye say to your master, Thus saith the Lord, Be not afraid of the words which thou hast heard, which which the servants of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. This is God speaking. He says, Behold, I will send a blast upon him, and he shall hear a rumor, and shall return to his own land, and I will cause him to fall by the sword in his own land. God is speaking. I want to say, number six, God has a secret plan for you. It doesn't matter what the devil is speaking to you. It doesn't matter what he has arranged for you, but God has a secret plan to set you free. That is the secret plan that we need to engage to. When this man went to God for the first time, God realized, oh, this man depends on me. I cannot let my friend down. I have given a good testimony of him before. How he followed me, I cannot let him down. So he did. He set his plan in motion. I want you to know, whisper to your wife, whisper to your husband, to your children and let the children whisper to their father God has a secret plan for us in this family God has a secret plan for us in this church God has a secret plan for us in our place of work number seven Hezekiah was a God-fearing person he did what was right in the sight of God but faced challenges I want you to know that the fact that you are a child of God born again baptized spirit filled does not exclude you from the challenges that are there but you have got a, 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 a pivotal role to play in these challenges. Because it is through you that men will realize the power of God is at work. How else will they know unless they see it demonstrated? So I want to pray that all of us, as we come to a close of this service, this message, that we shall know these things that we have spoken about. Those two cases may have looked a bit different, but they, are, they are bear a lot of similarity with whatever we go through in life. And especially in this time of corona crisis, we must not lose faith, we must not lose sight of God. I want to come to an end by reading Cor Corinthians chapter 4. Second Corinthians chapter 4. Second Corinthians chapter 4, start from verse 8. I'll read from New Living Translation. It says, We are pressed on every side but by troubles, but we are not crushed. My hope is in that I am not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. That's where our hope is. We are not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. 
We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. If I stop at those two verses, I can divide them into two parts. There is the part of the eyes, the physical part, and there is the part of the faith. Every statement that you see there, there is a comma before we go to the full stop. So, I've divided those words. The words that pertain to the eyes, what our eyes see, what our physical nature tells us are these. One, pressed on every side. When you are pressed on every side, worry comes in. You don't know what to do. You are perplexed. You don't have any way out. You are hunted down. You feel like you are a fugitive. You are knocked down. But let us look on the flip side of faith. Faith says this, that you are not crushed. Faith tells you, you are not driven to despair. Faith tells you, you will never be abandoned. Faith tells you, you will not be destroyed. And the reason why Paul is sharing such powerful message is this. Verse 10. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. It is because of the hope of the life in Christ. That the hope that comes is what should sustain us, not what we are experiencing. Verse 11. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. That is what Paul is saying. It is what is coming, the result, that should renew us and make us focus onto God more than what we are experiencing. No matter the times you are going through, in moments like this, let our focus be to God. Finally, Nahum 1, Nahum 1 verse 3, it says, and the last part is what impresses me, it says, the Lord is slow to get angry, but his power is great, and he never lets the guilty go unpunished. He displays, now listen to that, he displays his power in the whirlwind and the storm. The billowing clouds are the dust beneath his feet. I want you to understand what the Bible is saying here. When you see the storm going on around you, it is God pronouncing his power that I am about to do something. If you focus on me, I will do something powerful. In that storm, God is manifesting his presence. And when the dust is, the dust, the billowing clouds are there, they are just revealing his divine presence. That the dust beneath his feet is just, let it be a confirmation. God is about to do something. The crisis is just telling you that God is about to do something. So tell somebody somewhere, God is about to do something. So it is a, a moment of preparation, a moment of readying ourselves, a moment of waiting upon God that we may see and be witnesses to what he's about to do. Second Corinthians 4, 16 to 18 says, 16 says, that is why we never give up. I like that. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. We are being ambushed with corona, mass, SARS, and all those diseases. Name them. All of them, they are surrounding us. But our spirits are being renewed every day. Verse 17. For our present troubles are small and won't last long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. 
Our focus is on the eternity, not on the things that are temporal, things that we are going through right now that will come to an end. Verse 18, and I finish up at that point. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. I want us to tell each other, the things we do not see will last forever, and God has got a special plan for my life. Irrespective of what I am experiencing, God has got a special plan for my life. I want to pray with those of us who are there. I want you just to close your eyes wherever you are. And I want to pray and speak because I know God is about to do something in each one of us life. He's about to transform us from one level to another. But it will take our faith and our trust in him through these moments to see who he is, to discover him, and to know what he's about to do in our lives. Father, in the name of Jesus, I honor thee this afternoon. I give you praise. Each and every person listening to this message, I pray, O oh God, have special favor over them. Speak to them in a way that you have never spoken before. Jehovah God, I rebuke every worry in their lives. I rebuke every fear from their lives. I say, God, you are enthroned in their lives. You are the Lord and King over the lives of these brethren. Especially those that belong to the household of faith and these, those who belong to this congregation of bread of life. Heavenly Father, speak to them wherever they are. Fear will not be our portion, but faith will come overwhelming in our lives. Father, we shall begin to exercise the faith in you in every circumstances. Lord, let this be a learning point that God is in control. Let this be a moment of revelation in our lives of how much you love us. God to Ezekiah, though serving you, he faced challenge, but you came to his aid. The children of Israel, about to give up, they didn't see hope. But God, you had your own secret of delivering them. Deliver your children, God. Deliver those who are facing challenges in our midst. Deliver them in your mighty way. Father, we thank you and we bless you. For we are prayed and believed in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you so much. God bless you so much. May God bless all of you. And... Uh, all that have attended this service, all that have listened to this on behalf of the, the council, we say welcome in the coming weeks. Amen.